Welcome to the 9 to 5 Dropout Show, where you learn from leading experts how to quit your job and successfully start your own business. With your host, author, owner of Mind, Body and Spirit Entrepreneur and creator of the 9 to 5 Dropout Academy, Rachel Thompson. Welcome to the 9 to 5 Dropout Show, your weekly inspiration to say goodbye to the 9 to 5 grind, get off that hamster wheel, and finally pursue your passion. I'm your host, Rachel, and today we have a very special guest, Owen Crisp, and he is the owner of Marketing Uncomplicated, which is the perfect name because that's exactly what we are going to be talking about today. So in just a moment, we're going to hear from Owen, but I want to quickly give you some background. So after about five years of advertising, Owen crossed over into the marketing field, and it was there where he was mentored and learned the following simple set of principles, which helped him amass significant success, including the introduction of $100 million business in North America. So his three simple principles, which we're going to discuss today, are the KISS principle, keep it simple, stupid, the work smart first, only then do you do the hard work, and then the third principle are the numbers never lie. So Owen has over 30 years of CPG, which is consumer packaged goods marketing and firsthand experience, and he has experience growing all types of businesses. And he works with all different types of problems because he knows there's always a solution and an alternate path, and that business is not complicated. Well, welcome, Owen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Not a problem, Rachel. I'm delighted to be here. Awesome. So I know I gave you a quick introduction, but I would love to hear a little bit more about your journey and you know how you came to form Marketing Uncomplicated. Uh, Rachel, when I started my career and, and was fortunate enough through a friend to get into the advertising world, it all seemed very, very mystical to me. It all seemed very complicated. It all seemed as though it was well beyond the scope of what I was capable of doing. And by that, I mean, I, I just I had to work so hard and, and do so many different things. And... I reached a period where I went, hey, I'm on the advertising side, but I just don't feel as though I'm accountable for what's going on. It was at that point when I decided to take one step back, as they say, in order to take three steps forward. And I went over to Pillsbury as a junior person, which at my age and at that point in time was definitely a step down, but it was the right step. Mm -hmm. So from, from there, Rachel, I, I worked on numerous businesses and ultimately stumbled into and became the person responsible for launching new products, whether it was products under the Green Giant brand or the Pillsbury brand. And I worked at Old Spice and at Old Spice, I was responsible for making a change that hadn't been undertaken in over 50 years. Uh, I then took a step out, like some of your listeners might have done. I felt that a franchise might be a way to go. And one of the one of the principles that you talked about, you know, that I live by is working smart first. And when I was evaluating all of those franchises, 
I made sure that I looked at what the numbers were telling me because truly the numbers don't lie. The numbers are absolutely key. And how many people are coming up to the front of the store? So I did those evaluations and I decided to buy a Colonel's popcorn store. So the Colonel store uh, was interesting, but I found that the owner did it for a variety of reasons. He wanted to prove to his father that he could make money on his own, and he had a, a neat concept, and, and it was a great business. Uh, within the first week, I'd already paid for all my inventory, so it was, it was there and, and it was understood. But they didn't have what I call a unique selling proposition, a USP. Mm -hmm. And I created one for them, and that's in place today. And it's now Colonel's Popcorn, Extraordinary Popcorn. So Colonel's Extraordinary Popcorn. And, and, you know, a USP can be simple if nobody else is in the category and claiming it. And in this case, I would say Colonel's to people, and they would go, oh, you're doing chicken? So I needed to try and separate myself from that. Uh, and then I just carried on and on from there. So from, from uh, I discovered that it was easy to be able to solve problems because of the third principle we talked about, which is that the numbers never lie. So a business will always do well if the numbers make sense. And that's what you need to get your listeners to, to do. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, I am interested in hearing a little bit more about, you know, how you really dissect the numbers and so we can break it down for our listeners. But I want to take it back really quickly because you mentioned a unique selling proposition. So for somebody who is listening to this show and they are either just starting their business or planning to start it or they haven't yet, how does one find their unique selling proposition so they can really market their business well? Uh, it, it really is easy. And let's use an example of what is, or give me uh, one of the best USP. So if I said to you, uh, M&Ms, do you know what their USP is, Rachel? Oh my gosh, I should. Uh, melt in your mouth, not in your hand. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. So uh, you'd be interested to know that that was created over 50 years ago. Wow. And it happens to be one of the brands that I worked on very early on in my career. And it's why I ended up getting to uh, making the USP such an important part of what it is I do. Uh, what is a USP and how do you get there? So I would ask your listeners to say, why did you get into business? Why did you get into that specific business? What niche did you see that was being not being met by other people? So there was something that you decided that was unique and a gap within the marketplace. And that's where you start creating your USP. It's looking at that gap and saying, okay, what five, six, or seven, or maybe even eight words would clearly communicate that benefit. So when they look at uh, mind, body, spirit, and understand what the business is, what it is that's being conveyed and communicated to potential buyers. Mm -hmm. So 
You know, it, it, it really is taking the problem and then turning it into an opportunity. So marketing uncomplicated, marketing uncomplicated's USP is simple solutions to everyday business or marketing issues. So I'm uncomplicating, I'm saying simple solutions because I'm finding there's an awful lot of double speak. Your listeners are sitting there going, oh, I don't understand marketing. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? They do, Rachel. You understand marketing. When we talked before, you know, you said you're a very creative person, but you're also a great marketer because you know that your listeners need something. So you have put yourself into the consumer's mind headset position and understand that they're looking for something for a need that hasn't been met. And that's simply all the USP is doing. Whenever your logo or company name appears, the unique selling proposition is always, always, always with it. So you can communicate to everybody what it is you do. That is very helpful. And you really do make things uncomplicated. That was probably one of the most easy to understand explanations that I've ever heard of a USP. So thank you for that. And and something that you mentioned was speaking to your customers. So I know a lot of new business owners start the business because they are passionate. But can you talk a little bit more about how the business is not for the owner, but rather for the customer, and then how a business owner can then, you know, structure their business and their marketing to really speak to their customers. Well, uh, again, you know, you're there not for you, you're there for them. Now, you know, if you got into business because you were looking to uh, replace income, then yes, you bought yourself a job. And, and that's okay for some people. But I get the sense the way that your listeners, Rachel, are looking to fulfill a passion. And if they make some money, that's good. And if they make what they were making before, that's even better. And if they can make money beyond their wildest dreams, then that's sensational. But if you focus on the money to start, it just won't happen. Mm-hmm. You have to focus on what it is the person who is buying wants. Mm -hmm. You need to talk to them if you can. And you don't talk to them like the Walmart greeter when you walk into the store who says, hi. You want to talk to them like the Canadian tire people are doing. When I walk into the store, I've had people, there are many entrances to the store, and they'll come up to me and they'll say, hello. Is there anything that you're trying to find in the store today and how can I help you? So they immediately know the environment that they're in and they immediately know my headset. So if they know and understand all of that, Rachel, then they are into the head of the consumer. So your guys, the people who are starting their business, just have to say, what would I want to know when I'm here, when I'm in front of the product, when I am trying to find it, find the price, make a decision? Yes, absolutely. 
Now, I want to talk a little bit more now about how to actually get your business out there. So let's say somebody has a USP, they know who their target market is, they know that people are interested, and they know how they're going to speak to their target market and that they can definitely meet the needs. But we live in a busy, information-packed world where there's tons of people just yelling at us basically on social media and commercials and through different advertisements. So what can our listeners do to really stand out and get their business name out there? Well, let's let's take this in two stages, Rachel. We'll, we'll start with the first stage, and that is the most important one. And people ask the question, uh, should I have a website and what should that website be doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, as you found over your business career, Rachel, that yes, you do have to have a website. So then that leads us into the second issue or question, and that is everybody talks about content, but what is content? What is the value of content? And, and what should be within that content? So we'll step back and be a consumer. So I'm looking to buy a washing machine. And <clears throat> I know that there are all kinds of washing machines out there. If your site provides all sorts of insight and information about washing machines, that should be clearly and concisely on your website. But the content is talking about the problem the way the consumer would see the problem. Now, your business people are consumers, so they know what the consumer is thinking about. They have to write the content that way. I'll give you a very good example of how content can work so effectively because it's the first step in advertising, which is the, the, the next place to go. But you can't advertise before you have a good place to send them to. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've spent uh, three years in co- living in Costa Rica. We drove down, we uh, rented a place, and the gentleman who owned the place was absolutely sensational. And he was using Airbnb, and he was using HomeAway. And he was renting maybe two months a year or three months a year. And typical of a lot of businesses, they tend to accept that there is seasonality. And from my perspective, seasonality is excuse for not doing enough when business should be selling and it's not. So seasonality in this case in Costa Rica is people only go away in the winter. They want to go to a warm climate and that's fine. So Sterling allowed me access to his Airbnb and HomeAway website. I wrote all of the copy for both the property, Costa Rica, what's nearby, and his profile. I wanted people to feel empathy for him. I wanted them to know him. I wanted them to feel as though he was their friend. And he had a great story. And I wrote the copy. Well, he was busy when we left in January of 2015. Um, He had booked a couple of months. Now, The remainder of that year, all summer long, when people don't travel to Costa Rica, wrong, they do, Mm -hmm. um, he moved up to 83% capacity. Wow. 
Now, 83% capacity is taking him from $10,000 a year up to $60,000 a year off of one property in one location by being the expert, by addressing problems, and turning those into solutions. Now, that was in 2015. This is now 2018, and he is fully booked through until 2019. So the content, what I put on his equivalent of his website, his Airbnb and HomeAway sites, provided the consumer with knowledge, confidence, understanding, and it was very long and detailed. So what I would say to your people trying to start up or fix or modify their business, what they need to do is look at their website and ask the question, am I providing enough information for potential buyers to know what it is I'm offering and to know what it is I personally do and why I'm the expert? Step two, and I'm sorry to make this long, but the then and only then do you advertise. Because as you said at the start, one of the other principles is you work smart first and only then do you work hard. <laughs> the advertising part can be simple or complex. It can be as simple as an A-frame uh, out on the side of the road or signs on trees or in farmer's fields leading up to a retail outlet. Or if you're a business on YouTube or on your own website, but you're trying to market through the net, then you have to create advertising to reach the consumers who are there. And we all know and hear that Facebook and uh, Google are all good advertising vehicles. But again, we have to step back and go, what is our message? What is it we're selling? And make sure that our advertisement is clean and simple. It has the logo. It has the uh, USP. It has what we're offering. And it tells consumers where to go. It tells them the website. It gives them a phone number if necessary and allows them to get there. So, um, I believe when we chatted earlier uh, in the week, Rachel, I said to you, think of the internet as a house full of telephone books mm -hmm. and you're one listing on one page in one book in that entire house of 50,000 telephone books. That's what the web is like. Somebody will stumble on you, but if you don't go out and advertise Advertise distinctly, advertise uniquely who you are and what you offer. You will only have people stumbling on you. Very helpful. And that is amazing about the Airbnb. And that just shows the incredible power of, I mean, that is the epitome of working smart, not hard. Because I'm sure that you switching that ad copy didn't take a lot of time. Am I correct? No, I, I probably, Rachel, spent five hours because I knew and understood the marketplace. Mm -hmm. but, but there was a problem. So, so my eldest son, while we were living down there, said, oh, Dad, I was looking at coming down and staying around the corner from you guys, but it rains all the time. And I went, okay, well, that's what all the weather sites say. But guess what? 
we're in a, a almost a desert area on the Pacific coast that when I was down there, there were only three days where the sun did not shine in three years at some point during the day. So what are they talking about? It rains every day. It is beautiful down there. And it is as good down there in the summer as it is in the winter. Wow. Uh, So I know that you mentioned advertising. You were just talking about it. And um, yes, having good ad copies and really conveying your your USP concretely and making sure that you have all the information on your site and appropriate information on your advertising material. So I want to get a little bit more into actual advertising. I know that it can be hard to decide how you should advertise, if you should pay for advertising, if you should just try to do organic reach. I'd like to pick your brain a little bit and get your insights on what you think is the best way to advertise when a business is starting out? Um, when a business is starting out, Rachel, I think it's very important to, to try and do it in a way that is self-funding. And by self-funding, I mean you go out and you test things rather than go out and spend it all at once, in one place, at one time, without ever understanding the message, if the message is effective, if the message is going to work. So the process I would have your listeners go through is I would, one, once they've created an ad that they feel achieves what you said we want them to, they should test it with some of their friends to find out whether what was in their head is now being communicated by the ad. So that's number one. Number two is where can I go to test this out rather than spend all of the money first? So you say, okay, I'm going to spend $20 a day and I'm going to try Facebook. Okay, go and give it a try. Find out what happens. See what the feedback is. Then test another ad in Facebook. And and then you've decided, okay, Facebook isn't working, so I'm going to try Google AdWords. Well, you run the first ad in Google AdWords for a day, a week, whatever. But understand that it takes about five to seven uh, exposures to the consumer before they're likely to act. So ads need to have what we call repetition. Ads need to be able to be seen on a frequency basis. So advertising agencies talk about reach and frequency. Reach is the number of people who saw your ad. Frequency is the number of times they saw your ad. So I don't know. Every business would be different, Rachel, and and it's not a one-size-fits-all in answering this, but they should make sure that they spend it wisely, that Mm -hmm. they spend it slowly, they take their time getting there, and if they're unsure, then they test it once, test it again, test it. And once they've found something they feel works, then reinvest the profits and the proceeds into more and more advertising. Mm-hmm. And I think this leads a little bit into your numbers don't lie principle, because whenever you are evaluating if an ad is 
um, if you're getting a return on your investment and if you deem the ad as a success, then the only way to figure that out is by looking at the numbers. So I'd love to segue into your principle of numbers don't lie. Can you explain that to our, or to our listeners? Okay. So when they've started their business, they've decided that they are going to uh, determine that they will achieve a certain sales level. What they need to do is they need to determine how many sales and at what price they're going to get there. So that's our first number, which is often referred to as gross sales or top line sales. So they then said, okay, within year one, this is what I expect to get to. In Associated with that is what is referred to as COGS, cost of goods sold, and all that is is what are the input costs associated with that top line sales. So this is really simple. You have your top line gross sales. You have the costs associated with all of those sales. And in its simplicity, the bottom line is the profit. Now, you have one item and you then say to yourself, okay, on that profit, I can survive for the year. Go ahead, get into the business. I have 20 products and I've looked at them all. And I have three that make a very large profit, 50%. And I have some that only make 10% profit. Well, your focus in your energy should be on the large profit items. You may decide that the smaller profit items are an important element to be able to be viewed as a more complete purveyor of products. But 20% of your goods are going to deliver 80% of your sales and or profit. Make sure you focus on that. So the numbers never lie is make sure your P&L, profit and loss statement, gross sales, costs, and profit, makes sense, gives you an acceptable return, then focus on items to make sure your energy and your efforts are being put into that area. So uh, the numbers never lie in the sense that you look at them and you go, okay, I want to work smart. Which items should I be pushing? I now want to work hard. Okay, now how do I make those items that are making me the most money are being promoted are being put in front of my consumer and made to be seen as a good value, which is not necessarily low price or discounting. And this is where, Rachel, numbers can be deceptive and you have to work around it. People always think they have to be the lowest cost item. And nothing could be further from the truth. People buy value. They look at price, and then you as the owner give them information to make them feel that at the end of the day, it is worth spending more money on a higher-priced washing machine than it is 
to buy the cheap one because it will last 10 years longer. So therefore, the value is inherent in the higher priced item. I think it's very important that a lot of our listeners hear that because I know for beginning entrepreneurs, knowing how to price your products uh, and services can be a bit of a struggle, but it's very true. You determine the number that you put on the value of your product or your service. And you absolutely, just because you're the new kid on the block does not mean that you have to be, you know, provide the cheapest service or the the like least expensive product out there. Thank and you. Rachel, Rachel, that is absolutely bang on. It is so important for business people to understand that point and understand it's them that delivers the value through their communication, through their knowledge, through their understanding of the product and how it's going to deliver benefits to the end user. And this is the, the, the really the most important thing as we step back and talk about what would you do in advertising. Cars sell features. Tesla sells benefits. Tesla is out there promoting a sensational and, and sensual-looking car that happens to deliver by using electric-powered engines. So when people look at the value, they go, gosh, that's a $100,000 car. But then they begin to understand what they're doing for the environment. They begin to understand what they're doing for themselves. They do see that there's a cost saving by not having to buy fuel, even though it happens to be electric fuel. But then they understand that the maintenance is not as high. And so now they're into the value and they understand that the price, <clears throat> excuse me, is significantly more, but the value is tremendous. Absolutely. And I'm glad that you pointed that out as well. I know that, again, a lot of people when they first start a business want to just list all the features, but it's not about the features. It's about the benefits. It's about the value that you're providing. So that is, yes, so helpful. Oh, I really enjoyed this conversation. We have touched on so many different points in a very short period of time. Is there any last piece of advice that you would give newbie entrepreneurs who are just starting out? Um, <clears throat> what would I tell a new entrepreneur? Um, I think, Rachel, I would go back to one of our discussions, which is, Business is a lot of hard work. It is not easy. The perception from the outside changes dramatically once you're inside that business. Uh, business people tend to work five, six, and seven days a week. And that's why I come back to you have to work smart first because you can go off in so many different directions you can try and be all things to all people. But if you apply the principles you and I talked about today, ones that I have proven work, you will enjoy your business. You will be successful in your business. You won't be focused on dollars and cents. You'll be focused on the long term, helping people to achieve what it is they want. And then 
you will be a winner financially if that's your goal, or you will be a winner mentally if that is your goal. So that's the best advice I can say is don't be misled. Don't think it's going to be easy. It's going to be a lot of hard work. You're going to put in 60 and 70 hours a week if that's what you to be successful. But I can testify that if you put that energy in in a smart way and stay focused, you will win. I love it. That is so true. Uh, It's true for your experience. It's been true for my experience. Thank you so much. Can you let the listeners know where they can find you and about your services? Marketinguncomplicated.com. It's that simple. So marketinguncomplicated.com. There's information in there that allows you to reach out to me from an email standpoint. There are all kinds of Uh, articles written. You don't have to read them because each one also has an audio portion at the very top. We talk about USPs. We talk about time management and advertising. We talk about the importance of sampling, which we didn't get into today, but maybe in the future, Rachel, we may get into uh, how to hire the right people. So I'm, you know, it's a resource that is there for people who are students of and are trying to learn business. Well, thank you so much again. I'm going to link to everything below. Owen has been so gracious to offer to write a blog for Mind, Body, and Spirit Entrepreneur. So I'll definitely link to that below because I know it's going to really help you all out. And thank you all so much for listening. I will talk with you next week and have a wonderful week. Thank you for tuning in to the 9 to 5 Dropout Show. Be sure to check out the links below to enroll in the 9 to 5 Dropout Academy and receive your free gift and mini course. Let us know what you thought of this week's episode by rating or leaving a review.